Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. I'm so grateful for Tyler and Lauren and Kate and Hayden and all of those who were willing to serve and to help lead worship on this graduation Sunday. And I would be grateful to you if you would go to prayer with me as we prepare our hearts to receive God's message. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on your people. For God, I am not worthy to stand behind your sacred desk. But if you would send your spirit to this place, then we will stand on your promise that when your word goes out, it shall never return void. So spirit of the living God, fall fresh. On us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to preach this morning from the theme Fresh Catch. Fresh Catch. Well, church, it's that time of year again graduation season. A season where if you really listen, You can hear the faint sound of pomp and circumstance floating in the air. That was your cue, Kino Brass. Just kidding. (laughs) Where if we look up in the sky, we can see flocks. No, not of birds, but of caps ascending and descending through the sky. As another class moves on and moves up in their academic journey. You see, graduation season is full of honor as the worthy work of academic achievement is acknowledged. Graduation season is full of joy as parents of college graduates can finally outstretch their fingers after having them clinched in the check writing position for four or more years. And graduation season is full of tradition as each institution enacts time-honored rituals. And one of those rituals 
is the decorating of the graduation cap. Each year, members of the graduating class decorate their caps as a final message of farewell before they move into their next right step. And on this graduation Sunday, I thought it would be helpful if we discovered or rediscovered some of these works of art, such as this one, which is uh, revealing. (laughs) Revealing in that it lets mom and others know about the creative expressions that college leaves. You know, a mark that will walk with you for a lifetime. Or some graduation caps are self-aware, like this one, acknowledging the chronological case sensitivity of graduation. Hey, it can happen in four years, five years, six years, or seven. And finally, some graduation caps are clarifying, just in case it wasn't clear. What was learned and known, this cap here communicates all of the knowledge that can be drunk at the fountain of learning. (laughs) Now, when we think of graduation, we also think of it ending, of taking off our robes, turning our tassels to the other side, and putting our graduation caps away. But what if I told you That graduation never ends. That for the follower of Jesus, graduation continues year after year, season after season, because God never stops teaching us. God never stops schooling us. God never stops graduating us into higher levels of faith and understanding. In fact, I would submit to you this morning that when we sit in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, which Tyler read for us, we're really sitting in the audience of another graduation, where we discover through Jesus and Simon's interaction three critical lessons that we must learn if we are to keep growing and graduating in our faith. And here, the master of ceremonies, Jesus, is in a predicament. You'll remember that when we met him last week, he displayed his miraculous power at a wedding in a village called Cana. And now, following this miracle, Jesus begins to preach and teach all around Galilee, and people cannot help but take notice. Who was this man? interpreting scripture like they had never heard before. Who was this man preaching that the kingdom of God would bless the poor and the meek and the grieving? Who was this man who gathered with sinners and even ate dinner with them? People were enamored with this message of Jesus and they had to hear more. So much so that they started pressing in on him, surrounding him until he could no longer preach to all of the people. Now, Simon wasn't in this crowd listening to Jesus' sermon. No, he was doing what professional fishermen do in the ancient Near East after they've been trying to catch fish all night. He was sitting and mending his nets. And that's when Jesus spots him. And he asks Simon a question that every life-learning graduate
graduating disciple must answer, can I get in your boat? Now, when we read this question, it doesn't jump off the page. It doesn't excite us, Bonnie, because it seems like a preface before the real purpose of this text to show us the miraculous power of Jesus in a catch that was so big they could not even reel it in. But what if that's not the only miracle in this text? What if the first miracle is that Simon lets Jesus get in his boat? That Simon makes space for someone new? Because you see, Jesus has something to teach Simon. Jesus has something to teach all of us. But he can't grasp what Jesus has to say from a distance. He can only see it. He can only understand it if they are sharing space. Only if Simon is willing to open his life, his boat, and his presence to someone new. And my brothers and sisters, that's a lesson for every disciple who looks to keep growing in their faith today. We can't graduate to new levels of understanding unless we too are willing to let new people in. Because here it is, new people help us discover new things. New things about God. New things about ourselves, new things about scripture, new things about our faith. In other words, God's greatest lessons don't just come through what we know, but who we know. And we see this all throughout scripture. When we read that Joshua was to be trained in battle, God didn't give him a a book with military formations. No, he formed a partnership with him and a prostitute named Rahab. When God wanted to teach Naomi about loyalty, he didn't give her a lecture. He bound her life to a foreigner named Ruth. And when God wanted to teach the disciples about the inclusive grace of Jesus, he didn't preach a sermon. He took them to a well to connect with a Samaritan woman. You see, throughout scripture and the scripture of our lives, God uses new people to teach us new lessons. But we'll miss the lesson. We'll stay forever in Faith 101 and never move on to more advanced classes if we don't let new people in our boat. And so maybe the critical question that God is asking us today is not how do I keep growing in my faith, but am I willing to make space for new people? Because if you haven't felt your faith growing over the last several years or months, it may not be what you know, but who you are allowing yourself to get to know. And perhaps God is calling you today to a new level of faith and understanding by asking you to make space for new people. Now, that's the first lesson that we learn. When 
when we think about growing in our faith through this text, but we haven't graduated yet. There's another lesson that Jesus wants to teach us, Gary. You see, after Jesus uh, asked Simon to get into his boat, he then asked if he would push out into the water so that all of the people can hear him preach. And when he's done giving his message, he shares with Simon another set of instructions. He says, Simon, I want you to drop your nets in the water and start fishing again. Now, Simon is hesitant to follow these instructions, and for good reason. He had been fishing all night long, and he had caught absolutely nothing. And now, Jesus, a stranger in his boat, who isn't a fisherman, is telling him to do it again. And it's right here. It's right here that Simon has to make a critical choice, a critical choice that every disciple who wants to keep growing in their faith has to make. Will I choose to give up? Or will I choose to try again? Will I look at the empty nets of my life and throw them back into the water? Or will I just throw in the towel? Because you see, we often preach and teach about the miraculous number of fish that Simon catches. But maybe the real miracle is that Simon didn't stop fishing. Maybe the real miracle is that despite what happened last night, what happened last year, what what didn't work, what didn't catch on, he didn't give up. And maybe that's the miracle that God wants you to remember today. Maybe God is calling you not to give up. Because you see, there are some faith lessons that we aren't going to catch the first time. There are some things that God is trying to teach us that will take two, three, four, fifty times to learn. But we will never master them. We'll never understand them. We'll never graduate from them if We give up. And this is true, not just on the Sea of Galilee. I have learned that this is also true on the soccer field. Many of you know that I am the unwilling parent of two children in travel soccer. And if Simon thought that he was tired from fishing all night long, it's only because he's never had to drive two children and their loud friends and their smelly cleats to their soccer games. You see, on any given weekend, we can have up to five soccer games. They can be up to three hours away. And while the kids must play, the parents must pay. They have to pay hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars for them to participate. And they must sit there Rain, snow, sleet, or shine. Can you tell how much I love being a soccer mom? (laughs) Help me, somebody. And as I wait on your rescue, allow me to learn a lesson I saw on the field last night. You see, Olivia and her team were in a tournament 
of 9v9. Now, the, the other soccer parents know what that means. They were on a tournament with nine players on one side of the field versus nine on the other. The only problem was Olivia's team had never done this before. For the past year, they've only played seven versus seven. And so now they were going to be on a new field with bigger goals, with bigger space, and a bigger formation than they had ever played before. And what's worse, they were playing against a team that had been practicing in this formation for two years. So the ref blew his whistle and the game began. And in the first 10 minutes, the other team scored two goals. Because Olivia's team literally kept running into one another, trying to figure out where to go, how to score, how to defend in this new formation. By halftime, the score was 3-0, to zero, and their coach called them over to the bench, and he drew out a play. He said, girls, all I want you to do is keep trying this one play. It's going to help you defend, and it's going to set you up to score. And so they tried it. And the other team flew right past them and scored again. You're keeping track. It's now four to nothing. Now Olivia put her hands on her head and another teammate yelled at the coach, are we still running the same play? He said, yes. Don't give up. Try it again. And so they go back out onto the field, and this time they make it past the other team's defenders. They get down to the goal. They kick it, but it hits the goal post. It ricochets down the field, and the other team scores again. Now this time the captain yelled, are we still running the same play? And the coach yelled back, yes, don't give up. Try it again. And so they did. They kicked off from center field and they ran the same play, but something different happened. The center kicked to the midfielder, the midfielder crossed to Olivia, and Olivia slide tackled into the goal and scored. Now let me be clear, they did not win. No, not not by a long shot. I won't even tell you the final score. But you see, they won something else. Something far more valuable than a plastic trophy or a medal. They won the persistence that only comes by keeping playing in the game. In other words, they learned not to give up. They learned to keep trying and to keep trying and to keep trying and to keep trying again until they understood what their coach was trying to teach them. And now, now and only now can they graduate to a bigger field with bigger goals and bigger plays because they know how to not give up. And I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but that is a word for somebody here today. Because in the game of life, you're only going to graduate to bigger fields of faith if you don't give up. You're only going to reach new goals in faith if you don't give up. You're only going to win the tournaments, the tests, and the trials that faith brings if you don't give up.
So what do you need to try again today? What didn't work the first time? The fifth time or or the fiftieth time? What is God calling you to try again? Maybe it's daily prayer. Maybe it's serving on a team. Maybe it's giving every Sunday. Maybe it's joining a life group. Whatever it is, the lesson, the abundance, the blessing that Jesus has for you will only be received if you don't give up. Now, as you consider what God may be calling you not to give up on today, Let me offer the last lesson, maybe even the most important lesson that every disciple must learn if they want to keep growing in their faith. Let's go back to the text. After Simon tries fishing again, he is shocked at the abundance of fish that he catches. This catch is so huge that his nets begin to break and his boat even begins to sink. That's how much Jesus has blessed him with. And when Simon realizes that he's just been the recipient of a miracle, he wants Jesus to know, I'm not the kind of guy that you should be hanging around with. He humbly confesses, I am a sinner. Jesus, I've got faults. I've got shortcomings. And and you should stay far away from me. And yet, it's only after this humble confession that Jesus calls Simon to be one of his disciples. It's only after Simon expresses his humility that Jesus calls him to fish for people. And here's why. Because Simon has demonstrated the most important qualification of a lifelong learner from Jesus. Humility. Simon has made it clear that he is exactly who Jesus is looking for. Why? Because he's willing to admit that he doesn't know everything. That he doesn't have every gift. That there are still things that he needs to learn. In other words, Jesus wants Simon on his team because he's humble enough to believe that Jesus still has something to teach him. And here it is. Don't miss this. If we're not careful, we can get to a place. We can get to a place in our faith journeys where we think we've learned everything there is to know. Where we have heard every sermon, where we've read every book, where we've sung every hymn, and there isn't anything left for Jesus to teach us. But you see, the most faithful the most holy, 
The most learned and committed Christians are not those who know the Bible chapter and verse, or even those who can quote the book of discipline. No. They are the ones who will humbly admit that they still have so much to learn. And so to the graduating class of 2023, not just the high school, college, or postgraduates, but to the ones looking to graduate to a new level of faith, may you keep learning by making space for new people. May you keep learning by never giving up. And most of all, May you keep learning by holding on to a spirit of humility that believes there's something more that Jesus can teach you. May you wear your graduation cap to every commencement that the Lord leads you to until that great day where you exchange your cap for a crown.